True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. High drive, center field, hit the wall, grand slam. This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Hi, people. What's Good. Welcome back to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. It is Wednesday, February 3rd. Myself, Danny Vietti, my co-host. He's so smiley today. Will Middlebrooks, he's in a good mood. How are we doing, Will? I'm all right. I mean, I can't ever really truly complain. I'm living the dream over here, man. I got a beautiful family. I got to play golf last weekend. You shot under 80, too. I played well. I played really well. Um, it was really windy, so... I'm convinced that it just helped me somehow because I haven't been playing that much lately and fire is 76. I felt pretty good about that. Yeah, pretty impressive. Well, we got a good show for you guys today. Uh, we're not going to be talking about much golf because Will, as much as he likes to hype himself up, he's not that good. But I do got I got my golf hat on today because there was a Farmers Insurance Open in San Diego. don't know if you caught that. but So I got my golf spirit in. We're going to have Jameson Tyone, the newest New York Yankees starting pitcher, joining us on today's show. He's been through a lot. And so I'm really looking forward to just talking about his story. And man, two Tommy Johns. He had the sports hernia. I, he beat testicular cancer. I mean, this guy's yeah. story is incredible. So super pumped for him. And then another story that recently came out, of course, is Dustin Pedroia, one of your old teammates, retiring. Um, Kind of sad for a baseball fan like myself. He was really at the peak of his career when I was really starting to grow up and, and love baseball. So seeing him, you know, right off into the sunset, it's good for him because what a hell of a career Dustin Pedroia had. Uh, but you being one of his teammates, I'm sure, it kind of hits you in a different spot. Uh, it does, man. It was, it was actually when the when the news broke about that, which we knew was coming. We I, I've talked to him. I knew his knee was torn up. I knew he wasn't really. I had a good idea he wasn't coming back, but. It wasn't for me to publicly say that, you know, that's, that's for him after a career like that. Um, I think he, he was my favorite player, man. Like he was so fun. And, and big poppy said it best. Like if I had to buy a ticket to see one player play, it would be Dustin Pedroia because every pitch he's so locked in and, and so he could do something crazy. You know, it's for, what he did with the body that God gave him, he overachieved in every capacity. Mm-hmm. 
mentally, he was six seven, like three twenty with an eight back. <laughs> like he was so he was the most confident human being that I've ever met in my life. But at the same time, like his just genuine love for baseball is unmatched. And it rubbed off on on me, uh, on our teammates. And he was just the ultimate competitor. It didn't matter if it was ping pong, darts, golf, baseball, football, eating, like whatever it was, he was going to beat you. He was going to bury you. And he was going to talk crap to your face after he did it. It just, I have so many Dustin Pedroia stories. I don't know if you're ready for them. Yeah, I'm ready. Best one? Oh, man. I don't know if I have a best one. I have like, give me one of your favorites. I'll give you two. I'll give you two. I'll give you one like in the clubhouse and I'll give you one that's like on the field. So we're playing in New York and those fans hated us because the the rivalry, right? And uh, we were in a shift. I don't remember. This was like my rookie year. So I don't know if if it was Teixeira or who it was. It was a big lefty. So the second baseman was playing shallow right field. I was playing like at second base. So Dustin was kind of close to the stands because the stands in right field at Yankee Stadium go right next to the foul line. Mm Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> oh, no, sorry, this is so funny. Yeah, keep it together, so, dude, so he was out there and it was like the first or second inning and this guy is giving it to him. Hey, midget, like just calling him a midget and talking about his height and how he shouldn't. You don't deserve to be in the big leagues. You need to be a little like just the worst jokes ever, but just making fun of his height, yelling midget. Dustin doesn't even blink. When I tell you this guy is like so focused all the time, it's baseball 25-8. Like he is all about baseball all the time. He didn't even flinch. And I'm like laughing. I'm like, <laughs> I hope he doesn't see me laughing because this is this is really funny. So we go back. It's like the third or fourth inning. We're in the shift again for the lefty. Same guy. Pedroia, you midget. Blah, blah. Just all over him and pitch crosses the zone. You know, he does his like big like pre-pitch jump. Mm-hmm. And lands. He hits the ground. Ball crosses the pr- plate, and he snaps his head around. And goes, "Hey, fat ass! <laughs> I'm not a midget when I stand on my wallet." <laughs> and the whole section goes, <gasps> and the whole infield. <laughs> I think I don't remember who was pitching. I, I don't remember, but the pitcher was even turned around, like laughing. I don't. I I don't even think I've ever seen video footage of it because I. It was right after the pitch. They probably didn't know what was going on in the booth. But, yeah, it was just the whole section, like, applauded him after the comeback. And even the guy was like, all right, and sat down. <laughs> that, that's Yankee fans. So Yankee fans, like, they'll razz you. But once they'll they kind of earn their respect. They want you to give it back, right? So, and then the, the other thing he would do that I thought was really funny, um, we'd, we'd be sitting in the clubhouse and we always had the same media members, like the same, like 20 reporters, uh, beat writers, whatever, every day, every once in a while, there'd be some like new intern or new reporter from out of town or whatever. And every time there was a new guy, (laughs) I hope we can edit this. Um, a new guy would walk in and Pedro would be sitting there in his chair. (laughs) New guy'd walk in and he'd go, Hey man, who the are you? I hope you can bleep that out, but he would make it so uncomfortable and he would have like a full on, like he would like interview the new guy, the intern and make him so uncomfortable. Like, think you're good at your job. Are you good at what? He'd be like, your, your confidence is terrible. Like he would just crush this guy. 
uh, or girl. He, he did not care. He would yell at whoever was in there and talk trash to him. And then it would end with him being like, I'm just messing with you. And that it, they probably made so many memories for like this kid. There's like a senior at Boston college or whatever. And he's in, he's like shadowing Pete Abraham or, or someone, you know, one of the writers and he just gets crushed by Pedroia, which probably scares the crap out of him. And then after the fact, when he's like, I'm just messing with you, that has to be such a cool story. So I could tell stories about Pedroia all day and I hope you can bleep that out, but I had to tell it authentically. That's good, dude. That would rattle the hell out of me. I'm walking into the Boston Red Sox, the clubhouse for the first time. They see David Ortiz, Dustin Pedroia, oh. and all of a sudden Pedroia yells over me, "Who the, who the f are you?" Oh, Brad, dude, Pedroia just swims in people's head. He's like Michael Phelps doing laps in people. Oh, head. dude, he can rattle. He can get under your skin. He just is the best trash talker, man, that I have ever seen, on the field, off the field. I mean, life is a game to him because he's so competitive. So it's like nonstop trash talk. And I just, the game is going to miss Dustin Pedroia. The game needs more guys like him. He made me a better player, a better human. He made me work harder and um, hell of a career. Hell, hell of a career. Yeah. MVP, multiple time all-star. And fun fact, Woodland High School grad, my dad coaches or coaches and uh, teaches at Woodland High School. So very fun cool. Fact. Fun Didn't fact. Let's switch gears. We're going to be talking about players, kind of like Dustin Pedroia, that didn't play in 2020, but could be making an impact in 2021. And, dude, Will, this list is lengthy. You could create, just pitching-wise, especially with all the pitching injuries. Nowadays. I say it's mainly pitchers, I feel like. the There's a ton of pitchers, tons of injuries, yeah. tons. I mean, we have some opt-outs, too, but yep. there's some yeah, studs dude. on there. There's some, <laughs> there's some studs on here. So, let's get right into it. Players that didn't play in 2020, but could make an impact in 2021. Let's start it off here. Luis Severino of the New York oh Yankees. Yeah. Um, he was their ace two seasons ago before they got Garrett Cole. He was up for the Cy Young at one point back in before he had this these injury concerns. He had shoulder issues. Then he ended up having Tommy John surgery. Yeah. He is expected to come back in the middle of this 2021 season, hopefully. Um, and with the Yankees rotation, there's a lot of question marks. We're going to be talking with one of them. They James need him. They need, they need him. They need Tyone. They need Severino. They're going to need Corey Kluber to be at his best. A lot of question marks with New York, but Severino is going to be a big reason for why they succeed or why they don't this year. Huge. Yeah. I mean, you know what you're going to get out of, of Cole. Uh, I think losing Tanaka hurts, especially once you get to the postseason, because he was always so good in the postseason. And you got to have some rotational depth once you get into the, uh, the playoffs. But, dude, I've faced Severino a few times. And I think the last time I faced him was 2017. I was with Texas. Man, he, the ball gets on you so fast. It's just such a live electric arm. You have to gear up for 98. And it's like it, it plays up. I don't know if it's a spin rate thing or what, but it, it feels it feels like he's throwing over 100, you know, which he can, which he can. Yeah. But he'll sit 97, 98, like comfortably and dot you like on the black, on the corner wherever he wants and you have to gear up for that because it plays up and all of a sudden the hard slider you have no chance because you already started your swing <laughs> so I think he I I, I don't know how he's going to be but I, I, I really would love him to be successful this year because he can be just as effective as Garrett Cole in that rotation I, I really think that if he's healthy and he's on he's got just as good stuff as Garrett Cole and Two, so he's played two full seasons. He's had two seasons where he started more than 
20 games. He's only had two seasons where he started more than 11. In those two seasons, finished top 10 in, top 10 in Cy Young voting each of those years. He's an all-star in both of those years. So it goes without saying, he's a stud when he's healthy. Hopefully he can return and, and get his arm back in shape because, like you mentioned, if the Yankees want to have any success this year, their pitching staff is going to have to come through and be healthy. Another thing that helps with that with that staff is that offense is so good. It's got to take some type of pressure off you as a pitcher to know you have those boppers, you have LeMahieu, you have Judge, you have Stanton, you have all these studs that are that should put up some runs. So that that could help them too. It's not for a lack of talent. It never is with no, New York. No. Lineup, pitching, rotation-wise, bullpen-wise, it's just about staying healthy. No doubt. Another pitcher, of course, this is going to be a lengthy list of pitchers coming back. Noah Syndergaard. We're going to mm-hmm. stay in New York. Uh, Thor is trying to come back from Tommy John. Of him. Is Tommy John? Yeah, TJ. Uh, yeah, that's what I thought. Tommy John coming back with New York Mets. And he, similar to the New York Mets, I don't want to say they're the New York Yankees, but their pitching rotation has some question marks too because Stroman did not pitch in 2020. And then we don't know if Bauer is going to be in New York. They're reportedly in on Bauer. If they could land Bauer, that would certainly cheer up that rotation. But there's some question marks too when it comes to New York. And Noah Syndergaard, if if we don't know exactly what we're going to get out of Syndergaard, because he actually struggled before he had his surgery, he wasn't himself. And it's probably because he wasn't. He was pitching her is what was happening. Exactly. But look, they... I think they, if Cindergard's back and healthy, which he, I've seen his bullpens that he's posted. He's training right up the street from me in Palm Beach Gardens at uh, Eric Cressy's place, who is actually uh, the head of like strength and conditioning for the Yankees, mm-hmm. by the way. So that's, um, I probably asked Tyone about that because he'll probably get to know Cressy pretty well. But um, it, <laughs> he throws his bullpen shirtless, which is uh, kind of odd to me. But I guess if you're built like a Greek god, you can pull it off. <laughs> I wear two shirts when I practice. Um, <laughs> but anyways, look, they don't need Bauer. I, I don't think they need Bauer if – I think Stroman has a good year. I enjoyed when we talked talk with him, and he explained what he's doing going into this season. It feels really good about that. If Thor's back, man, which I think he will be, he, his bullpens look like he's getting after it. Like He looks like he's ready. He's so, always good. Yeah. Um, we know what you're going you know to get from DeGrom. I just, I, I really, another guy in that, that bullpen I like is David Peterson, the lefty that's not getting a lot of attention, who's probably going to be their number five. I know how much you love Seth Lugo, too, because that's like your guy. Yeah, but put him in the pen, dude. I'm telling you, don't make him a starter. He's not that good as a starter. He can spot start if you need it, if someone goes down. Keep him in the pen. That's where he thrives. He can be that long guy, come in and throw you five, six, seven inning, and then you can go on to the back end of the bullpen, but. They need to leave him in the in the bullpen, but I think Thor's back. I think Thor has a good year. Mm-hmm. I really do. He's going to be fresh. He's going to be hungry, and he's going to be surrounded by some of the best pitchers in the game, which is always an advantage. I like that you brought up that Lugo's best in the pen because being healthy and not getting injured, it, it stretches further than just that individual player. It's really – it affects the entire team in that if Syndergaard gets hurt, then you have to bring Logo in as a starter. And then that creates a hole in your bullpen. So it, it snowballs. And so it's not just individual, oh, man, Syndergaard's down. We're going to have to fill that spot. It leaks into and it creates holes in the rest of your team. So I think that's what a lot of people miss. It's not Very just true. the individual player. It can completely handcuff a team because your teams succeed most when they know what their role is. You succeeded when you were a young player. You knew exactly what was expected of you. 
Every single day you went to the ballpark, you knew where you were going to hit in the order. You knew you weren't going to be the three, four hitter, but you knew you were going to be hitting in that five, six hole. And you're going to be protecting Poppy and Manny and, and these guys. Teams succeed best when they know their individual roles. Look at look at Daniel Bard. All right. He was one of the best setup men in baseball in Boston. They tried to make him a starter. All of a sudden he couldn't throw strikes. He got the yips. Was out of the game until he came back with Colorado last year. And he put him back in the bullpen and he's lights out again. He found it, but it screwed him up going to starter and maybe changing his arm slot, not throwing as hard to, you know, get him through, you know, six innings in a game instead of coming in and throwing 15 pitches. So, yeah, you're spot on with that. If you know your role and you can perfect that role, stay in that role. So Seth Seth Lugo needs to stay that like Swiss Army knife. Don't make him a starter. Let's switch gears a little bit and let's attack some hitters here. Uh, Jordan Alvarez, who's coming off season-ending surgery with the Houston Astros, the reigning, well, not really reigning anymore rookie of the year because he didn't play last year. But uh, he won the rookie of the year in 2019 where they just fell short of winning the World Series against the Washington Nationals. After losing George Springer, the Houston Astros are going to very much welcome a bat like Gordon Alvarez back into the line. No doubt. This is, uh, I mean, the guy can hit for average, too. I honestly believe he's like an all-around really, really uh, good hitter. I mean, we, we see the pop. That's right. I mean, that's right in front of us. He's massive. He's a huge guy. He's Another guy like Thor, he's built like a Greek god. He's just jacked. It's crazy. Like people are born like this. Maybe, maybe he works hard. Who knows? But wait, let me interject. Okay. You said people are born like that. Is it just me or is it really difficult to get like forearms and calves at the gym? Because I swear I do calf raises almost every day. And aren't you six six? Yeah. And I got like cankles here. Like I, I can't get calves no matter how hard I can do calves every single day. 150 reps for the next 30 days, they will not grow. All right. You mean to tell you how to get calves? I found out. And they came with my dad bod. So when I was 215, 220 when I was playing, I didn't have big calves. Average at best. All right. Now dad bod, I was like 240. I'm carrying 240 around all day, every day. I'm carrying a 30-pound kid, 15-pound kid, do the math, carrying around the plate all day. I'm not talking about food. I'm talking about 45 pounds, but well, I never know. I have constant weight with me all the time. The extra dad bod weight. That's how you get calves. So you're saying I have to have a kid in order to have calves. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sold then. I'm all, I'm fine. Yeah. I think you'd rather not have calves. <laughs> that's, that's There's nothing wrong. With that. Uh, another guy that's, he, he, of course, played last year, um, but he didn't pitch. He pitched two games, I think it was, before he left with injury with Shohei Otani. And we said it a, a couple times in the show. Justin Upton told us he's the most talented player he's ever seen. Uh, he throws upper 90s with his fastball. He's got a devastating splitter. He's got a solid breaking ball when, it's, when he's able to locate. Shohei Otani, the Angels, it's funny, they just brought over Alex Cobb a couple days ago, or they're still in the works of bringing in Alex Cobb from the Baltimore Orioles. The Angels supposedly saying they might be out on the Bauer sweepstakes, which is interesting because I don't know why they would be out. They got plenty of money. I know Pujols handcuffs them a little bit, but if they're out on Bauer, that certainly hurts the rotation. They're able to add Jose Quintana, 
They were able to add Chris Suzuki behind the backstop, Raisa Iglesias in the bullpen. Sheho Otani, if they're not able to, if, if they really are out on these big name for agents, Otani is going to have to, unfortunately, be the guy. Um, I think he should be the guy. The guy is, I agree with Justin. He's one of the most talented baseball players I've seen too. The guy can throw 100 and he can hit the ball 450 feet. <laughs> that doesn't happen very often. But there's a lot of rumblings about um, maybe he won't pitch as much this year. So I don't, I don't know where those rumblings are coming from, but I don't agree with them. Like I feel like you need, you need him, and I, I think that's that's like that's, why would you waste that offense? Like go get pitching and be a World Series contender. Yeah. Like go get two, go get two arms, starting pit. Like just spend the money, and you're you're gonna reap the benefits from it because I talk about how high the ceiling is on their offense. Their lineup is really, really good, but they're wasting it, and and they're. I feel like they're okay being mediocre. Yeah, and it's you're wasting the probably going to end up being the best player of all time. You're you're wasting his his peak. You're wasting Justin Upton, Albert Pujols, end of his career, Rendon. Like you have all these. I mean, Otani. Like he could be a really good hitter too. Like you're wasting this offense. Because you don't want to spend the money to go get good pitching. It's just, ah, oh, man. I, I don't know. But back to Otani, you got to have him in the mix. He's too good to not be on the mound. He's too good to not hit a couple of days in between his starts. You, you, you got to ride that horse as long as you can. And then eventually the decision will make itself, which, are, you know, if he ends up being a better pitcher, then you can maybe let him focus on, on pitching more. If he if he isn't pitching well like we saw last year, like he, I think he just maybe he wasn't trusting that he was all the way healthy yet because the velo wasn't there, the location wasn't there, and he got hit around when he pitched. Um, so I just you get you can't give up on him yet. The problem he, with he's the too time. talented. So you give him a chance, see what happens. Let him do the two way thing. You got to I think you let him play, be a two way player. The problem with Otani is they're putting too much. They're relying on him too much. They're relying on him to be their ace and be their four hitter or three hitter or wherever they have him in the lineup. That's too much to put. He, on. He's good enough for that. He's, he's good enough for that. Good. But but yeah, it could be a lot for the kid. I mean, no, it's just a lot of pressure. Shoulder issues. You in can't LA. rely on, on a guy to pitch thirty times a year and then also be your four hitter. I think it's too much. I think if you really want him to be a two way player, you expect ten to fifteen starts a year. You have to get talent around him so that he's not shoving it all out there every single time he takes the mound and then he's blowing his arm out. Yeah. And they haven't invited that. I agree. I, I fully agree with you. So we got Jamison Tyone coming up just a second. But let me ramble off a couple names here that are coming back either from injury or opted out. David Price, who you love talking about, of course. Um, go ahead and hit David Price before we move on because he's going to be a big factor coming up for the Dodgers. He opted out last season because of COVID-19. He's been coming back, and it's already a stacked, obviously, World Series roster. They won the World Series in 2020, David Price. Yeah, they're stacked, but they're, they have a lot of question marks. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of question, like, well, more offensively, I think, than, than on the pitching side. Um, but you add him with, with Kershaw and Bueller, all of a sudden you have three really good arms. Um, I think Goslin's going to be good. I, the, you add David Price in, in that mix last postseason, like, you don't have to worry about 
like, oh, is Dustin May just going to be the, you know, you go through the first inning and then, got, you know, it's like ugh, there were so many questions in the postseason. If David Price was there, none of those questions, it would have even existed. Yep. That's why they were in a bind because they didn't have him. And now he's going to add to that. And their rotation is going to be really good because I really like uh, Gonsolin. I really like Dustin May. To the probably those will probably be your four and five. Yeah. <laughs> like that's They're nasty. I mean, the the meat of their lineup is is still going to be pretty good with with uh, with Seager right there in the three hole. Probably he was ridiculous in the postseason, but they they definitely have some question marks and some holes, some voids to fill. Uh, losing Jock, Kike. Um, Maybe um, no, another kid I really liked, Will Smith, man. Yeah. That catcher. I think he's going to be a stud. He's so mature for his age. Like his, his at bats in the postseason. That's what people don't understand. Like may, uh, they didn't have a ton of fans. Maybe that played into it, but postseason baseball and postseason at bats or World Series at bats, whew, it's a diff, different beast, man. Like you feel that at the plate when you're like, oh my God, this is a World Series. Like every pitch is so important. And he handled it like he'd been there seven times. Yeah. So he, I think he's going to be really good. But back to David Price, he's going to be huge for that that rotation to just kind of bridge the you know not have a void, not to have an open spot or uh, a, I guess a void's a word I'm looking for. Without him, they they have a hole. Yeah. So they're going to be really good pitching wise. There's so many guys in this list we unfortunately weren't able to get to, and we could spend so much more time on this subject. But Chris Sale. Brendan McKay for the Rays. Tommy Canley is going to be coming back for the Dodgers in that bullpen. Nate Pearson with the Blue Jays. Steven Strasburg, Michael Kopech. The list goes on. Unfortunately, we're out of time. We got to get to Jameson Tyone coming up next on the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on fantasy baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Bartender, give me a shot of Jamison. Jamison Tyone, the newest New York Yankees starting pitcher, joining us on the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, Jamison. Yeah, thanks for that sick intro. I was, dude, I've been practicing that for the last week. I'm so glad, like, pulled it off but hey let me ask you this has it really sunk in that you're going to be pitching for the new york yankees 
Um, it's definitely settled in more than it had originally. Um, I've talked to everybody within the organization that I need to talk to. Uh, talk to Booney, talk to the pitching coach, Matt Blake, talk to some of the team uh, teammates. I'll, I'll be joining there in Tampa in a few weeks. So that part settled in, but I don't think it'll really hit until I put on the uniform, like first day pitchers and catchers down in Florida. How, uh, how much contact have you had with, with Garrett Cole? I mean, obviously, ex-teammates, everybody's going to want to talk about that. We obviously want to talk about that because he's arguably one of the best pitchers in the game right now, uh, if not just the richest. So um, how close are you guys? Is this, was this something that you guys are pretty fired up about or what? Yeah, so, um, you know, with the Pirates organization, we lived together probably for – three spring trainings, two or three spring trainings. Um, you know, we'd cook dinners together, hang out all the time. Um, and then once I got called up to Pittsburgh, he beat me there by a few years. So I really kind of leaned on him for just showing me how to go about my business. You know, you know how that goes, you know, uh, being a young guy, what time should I get treatment? What time should I take the bus? Should I Uber right. early? All that good all stuff. All the small things that turn into big things if you do them wrong. <laughs> right. and Garrett, Garrett was my guy for literally all of that. Um, and I also felt safe with Garrett. Like if I'm with him, I can't get in too much trouble. Um, so he was my dude in Pittsburgh. I'd go out early, play catch with him, watch his bullpens. Um, and, you know, if you watch the Yankees game or, you know, you watched him with Houston, he's always talking about pitching, always talking about his craft. So I'm really fired up to get to work with him again. Um, Cause I've just kind of redefined who I am as a pitcher. I've changed my mechanics a lot. So being around a guy like that's going to be huge, but we're definitely boys off the field and we're really good working teammates at the field. You mentioned you retold your mechanics. So I heard you're going to be doing a little bit shorter arm slot, kind of Lucas Fialitis, right? And a little bit more spin rate on your uh, fastball and slider. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So I really changed the way my lower body was moving. Um, I found some things when I got hurt. I think it was a early May game in Texas when I finally it was like, I can't keep pitching through this anymore. I need to get some help. And right when that happened, I was like, okay, regardless of whether I get surgery or what my, my path back is going to be, I have to change some stuff about the way I throw because my elbow's always freaking hurting, like talking on the phone hurts. So I knew I had to go back to the drawing board. Um, so I got into my legs more, got into my glutes a little more, less quad dominant, more heel connection. And then in turn, that's like really shortened up my arm. Um, I'm moving way quicker. So I do see myself being a little bit more of a four seam top of the zone, big breaking ball guy. Navila's staying consistent, even though you changed up the mechanics. Is it about, because you were averaging around 95, mid nineties on your fastball before. Yeah. Um, so I threw some sim games at the end of the year. I was up to like three or four innings facing our hitters. Um, I was like 92, 95. So, you know, with no fans in the stands, no defenders behind you. I was pretty happy with that. I was always a guy before my injury. Like I had a really hard time throwing like full speed bullpens. I would throw like 85 and I'd have some effort on it. Um, and so far this January, my pens, I've been in like 91 to 94 just in you know a batting cage throwing bullpens and i'm really not trying to produce that velocity so number one i feel healthy and two i think the vila will be right where it needs to be just casually yeah. 91 94 no big yeah, no big deal in january <laughs> right out of bed february i guess now so yeah. um but let's talk about a little bit the the going from pittsburgh to new york obviously two organizations that are um two different speeds right now uh, in 2021 yeah. for what their goal is this this season. We know Pittsburgh rebuilding. We know uh, what's going on over there. And then New York is a win now, win now place. 
what you have to be fired up about. And, and I, I know how special Pittsburgh was to you. You were there for so long and you went through a lot there, you know, with the yeah. double surgeries, beat cancer, a uh, ton of stuff that, that people probably, you know, people know about you, but once you get to New York and you see the New York post and uh, the yep. New York media, all these, a lot more people are going to find out about your story, which is super inspiring uh, to a ton of people to me. Uh, and I just, I mean, just talk about that a little bit, that the going from Pittsburgh to New York, and then just a little bit of everything you went through while you were in Pittsburgh. Yeah. yeah so just from the baseball perspective, uh, you know, I'm going over to the Yankees organization and I've already talked to like the performance team over there. I mean, they just have it running like a well-oiled machine. Like that fires me up. Um, I've already been on conference calls with some of the guys. So that side of it, um, I've been super impressed already. And that's one of the first things Garrett said to me is like, dude, you're going to be blown away by how well they treat the players, which is what you'd expect out of the Yankees, I guess. But like, I've gotten to see it firsthand now. Um, and then, I mean, I'm going to have a pretty, pretty badass offense behind me when I go out there every fifth day. Um, I mean, they've got some mashers, um, you know, the lineup doesn't really take a break one through nine. So that's really exciting. That'll be a bit different. Um, you know, that's going to translate to some good defense too. You know, that lineup, they play some really good defense. Kevin Urshela at third. I know I've been a fan of watching him play defense for a while now. Um, they can pick it kind of all over the field. So I'm excited to get there, get in that locker room. Um, you know, I've heard it's a great group of guys. So that fires me up. And then just, you know, the difference in cities, I'll always feel super connected to Pittsburgh. Um, I mean, you know how it goes. It's first organization gave me my first job. Um, I went through a lot, like you said there, I got to know people in the community. I got to do community work. I got to know people at restaurants, coffee shops, um, neighbors in my building, all, all the good stuff like that. So I'll miss all of that. Um, but so far the welcome from Yankees fans have been pretty overwhelming. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to sharing my story, getting involved in the community there and seeing where I fit in. What do you think Pittsburgh's doing exactly? Because within the past few years, obviously it's, you could call it a rebuild. They've gotten rid of yourself, Garrett Cole, Andrew McCutcheon, uh, Josh Bell, a lot of really good Starling Marte, a lot of real, I mean, you guys were stacked a few years back. Now, not so much. What do you think they're going in Pittsburgh? Because a lot of fans are confused. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, if I had stayed healthy, I've always, I have this question in my mind. It's like, if I stayed healthy in 2019, we were coming off a year where a lot of our young guys took a step forward. We were above 500 in 2018. If, you know, we all played our, our abilities in 2019, we might not be, or the Pirates organization might not be in this in this situation. Um, so it falls on the players. Like when a rebuild like this happens, it's because we proved that we couldn't win together. Um, and that, that sucks. That's just the cold, hard truth. That's the reality of it. But um, you know, we weren't winning and I felt like for a while there in Pittsburgh, we were kind of in the middle. Like we knew we had some talent on the team. We weren't surrounding that team that we were putting out there with, you know, the players that would push us over the edge. So, you know, I know it sucks to be a Pirates fan right now, but I'd actually look on the bright side. I think they've got the right people in place to do this. Um, you know, from the staff we hired last year, the front office we're bringing in. Um, I really enjoyed my time working with them. So, I'm sure like Pirates fans are getting sick of being told to be patient and, and they've waited long enough for a good team. They deserve a winning team, but um, I don't know. I think we weren't winning, so this is where they are. 
Yeah, understand. I mean, that's plain and simple to talk. It's a business. That's what people. Yeah, it, it is a game, and and it, it's we're playing a kid's game for a living. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of money involved, and uh, you need to win. That's just how it is. Yep. So, changing the speeds a little bit with you. So, seeing your videos, we've talked a little bit. You know, you're throwing. You're feeling good. You're looking. It's it's coming out well. Um, I mean, you're definitely going to be ready for spring training, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm right on track. I need to talk to them about like what kind of schedule they want me on, yeah. but I'm ready to roll for anything they throw my way. Okay, and then so obviously you had the first Tommy John, and then the second one was it actually? Tom, it was flexor tendon, but then they did they revisit the UCL. Yeah, so I went into surgery not knowing exactly what they were going to do. Um, in the back of my mind, I knew that I probably needed my UCL fixed again. Like something just never quite took for my first surgery. And so they went in there. I thought flexor for sure. They went in the flexor was better than they anticipated. UCL was worse than they anticipated. So I went in thinking flexor came out with a new UCL, but this one feels like completely different than my first surgery. The what, what pitches, so when you're coming back, obviously I was a position player. I pitched in high school, but I, I didn't have Tommy John for one. Obviously, control is is your th- big thing coming back. Uh, is there like certain pitches or feel for maybe a breaking ball, like, like turning over a changeup? Like, what's the hardest thing to overcome post Tommy John? Um, I mean, the thing for me that was the hardest was probably just trusting it, like getting out of that rehab protection mode, being able to say, "Hey, I'm healthy. I can compete. I can let it fly," um, and that's not a concern anymore. But I don't know. It's always funny for me. Like I actually have a pretty easy time spinning the ball. It just has always made sense to me. Like I'm probably throwing my slider easier for a strike right now than any other pitch. Um, Curveball has always like just felt good in my hand. I've always had good command of my fastball to change up. I don't know if it's a Tommy John thing or not, but it's still just a work in progress. It's been a work in progress since I got into pro ball. So I'd say maybe turning over a change up for me. Okay. How, how tough it is it? Is it because MLBPA, Major League Baseball, they don't really – somebody's asking for a delay to the season. Somebody's asking for no delay. For a guy like you, you're coming back from injury, and you're on your own schedule. But how tough is it for you right now not really knowing when the season's going to start? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was in the back of my mind all offseason wondering what was going to happen. And I know from the player perspective, like, we anticipated and expected the league to come to us with something back in, you know, October, November, December, even, um, some guys were playing it safe with delaying their throwing, delaying their hitting. But at a certain point as a player, you have to get ready to compete. And for them to come to us now, this late into the off season, while guys have, I mean, the human aspect of it, guys have started shipping cars, booking Airbnbs for spring training, all that. But then from like the, big league ball player side of it guys are ramped up guys are facing hitters i was watching tyler glass now pump 97 against hitters the other day like now you're gonna ask him to ramp it back down and take a break i just don't think that's i don't think that's right um and then for me just like selfishly i got the itch to play like i want to i want to go i want to play i want to be there already um so i'm full speed ahead to a regular spring training i'm ready to roll what are they telling you they told you guys anything recently um, I mean, just that MLB proposal. Um, so I was our player rep in Pittsburgh. So I was on all these calls. I got all the information and now going to New York and you know, Zach Britton's, I think the player rep and Garrett's on the executive council. So they have us covered. Um, but all I'm hearing is that we don't have to accept any sort of deal. Um, like 
just be ready to go on time. Let's get the the health protocols nailed down. Um, but besides that, we should be a full go. Yeah, even if you don't accept a deal uh, with the league, there's still going to be a season. That's what a lot of people don't understand, I think. Um, yeah. And you, the a lot of the reasons that the, the PA isn't really moving or, or giving into this is because it's, it comes down to bargaining agreement after the season. Bargaining chips, which Danny and I talk about a lot on here. Um, do you like exp- the idea of expanded playoffs? I like asking current players this because I know personally – I don't like it. I don't like it being watered down. I want the best teams. I want you to have to spend money on good players and want to win and and need to be above a 500 club to make the playoffs. I just, I hate the watered down playoffs. Yeah, I think, so I got asked this question like last spring training. My answer is like, you know, the more teams in the playoffs, the more interest we get, maybe the more teams that think they have a chance. So they might go sign that player. The more I think about it, it definitely waters it down. And then it's going to incentivize teams to just get in. Um, you know, it's if you can be the 14 seed or be, you know, an under 500 team and get in, why would you go spend that extra money on, uh, I don't know, a big free agent? Why would you go get Trevor Bauer if you could get in without him? So I like the idea now of making the playoffs exclusive. Um, you know, I, I don't think half the league should get into the playoffs, but, you know, clearly the league isn't letting it go easy. They really want it. Um, so it's something I, that I guess we'll have to continue talking about and seeing their numbers and why they want it so badly. Um, but yeah, from the, from the player side, I mean, you get it. Like I've never even been to the playoffs in, in the big leagues. I don't, I've maybe been to the playoffs once in the minor leagues, but you know, in saying that I, I wouldn't want to get in as a team that doesn't deserve to be there. Well, then you have like the Astros last year who limped in and almost went yeah. to the World Series. You know, they got hot at the right time. Um, yep. and, and then there's those teams that have a, have that case. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not – it needs to be more exclu- exclusive. You have to play well. You have to win games. It's just yep. – that's got to be number one. And and we know we know owners – we know why the owners want it. There's more, there's yep. more revenue there. Exactly. Yep. And, and they're all crying – poor right now which is a joke to me but that's that's for a whole nother podcast <laughs> yeah. let, me, let, me ask you, let me ask you one more and then brooks has got some rapid fire for you and we'll speed things up dude you've been through a lot two tommy johns you had the sports hernia you've had you've beaten cancer you've had injury after injury you were number two pick you've, you've had pressure you've been through it all really and you're not even 30 years old yet did you ever yeah. think about did you ever think about hanging them up and saying look maybe this just isn't for me um, so I had never thought about it, um, until this most recent elbow injury, like I was not having fun throwing a baseball. My elbow hurt all the time. Um, I was trying to just make sure no one knew that I was hurting. So I was trying to cover it up. That's not a good way to live. It's not good for your mental health. Um, you know, I would go into the training room and be like, Hey, just hypothetically, if my elbow hurt in this area, what should I do for it? Like I felt very alone trying to not let anyone know. Uh, that I was hurting and I didn't want to be known as the hurt guy. So I was trying to cover it up, but I told myself like, man, I don't know if I can go through another Tommy John rehab. And then once I had the surgery, I mean, from literally the first day after surgery, I felt fixed. I felt healthy and that's what drove me through this rehab. Um, and then like the curiosity of changing my mechanics this time through has like just reignited my passion for baseball and for pitching. Throwing is so fun for me again. I love talking about the game, talking about pitching again. Um, 
but you know, each rehab is like its own little entity. It's all separate in my mind. So each injury I have, you know, you might sulk on it for a day and then you get over to the point where it's like, okay, I need to find a way to get better and get healthy. Um, so it doesn't feel like all those injuries got me down at once. They were all separate and I, I was trying to rehab them all separately and, and become the guy that I know I can be. So I guess that's a long way of saying like through each injury, I know I can still be a really good big leaguer and that's why I'm still going. Yeah. Just know your story, man. You've become one of my favorite players for that exact reason. Just the way you've been able to persevere through it all is pretty inspiring, man. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. Thanks. I, I wish I didn't have to be that guy, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been a wild ride and hopefully, you know, with everything and all the work I've put in, hopefully that's all part of my past. And now I can be the healthy guy that, you know, a team can count on seeing out there every fifth day. All right. That was deep. Now we got to get into some fun questions. All right, let's do it. I'm getting emotional over here. <laughs> hey, I was the hurt guy a lot. I understand where you're coming from in rehab. I mean, I'll say yeah. it. it's, it's a, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough yeah, mentally hard. more than physically a lot of times. So yep. but let's get into these rapid fires. I guess of a few fun questions that just uh, our viewers will definitely enjoy hearing. So first, first things first, can you give me your top three pitchers in baseball right now? Garrett and DeGrom, no brainer. Um, number three, like I'm a huge fan of Shane Bieber. Love the way he throws, love what he brings to the table, but I'm actually going to still give that third spot to, it's hard to pick between Kershaw and Scherzer, but like, I'd say I still enjoy watching Kershaw a lot. So I'll go Garrett DeGrom Kershaw. Yeah. His, the longevity of his peak has been really cool. Yeah. I actually Um, looked up his numbers the other day and they're insane. Even oh, when you nuts. feel like Kershaw has a down year, they're still nuts. That's why so many people get caught up on his his postseason, uh, you know, tough outings he yeah. had in the postseason, which he did better last year. But yep. he's unbelievable. He's a Hall of Famer. Um, what hitter do you hate to face? This is easy because you can look up numbers. Uh, off the top of my head, I'll say number one would be Javi Baez. Okay. He just does everything to me. He hits for power, bunt hits. <laughs> He's hit a ball that bounced for a single. He, I've broken his bat for hits. He sliced the cover off the baseball and gotten a hit. Like I remember that. that guy. I remember he, that. He's done it all off of me. He just just some guys you just have no chance to get out. It's just not meant to be. Yeah, it's uh, Baez and, and another random one is Jose Peraza. He kind of owns me too. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so in that same breath, like who's who's someone that you feel like you just always own? <laughs> you got to have your guys. You're like, oh, thank God he's in the box. I need this right now. If you say me. I, I really, I really, truly don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know. I know I've done pretty well against, like, Adam Duvall maybe. Okay. But he, I know he has a homer off of me. So, um, man, I, I really don't know the answer to that question. Okay. Okay, you I know what? Ask. I'll say Scott Shebler. He, I did pretty well against him. I, I figured a few things out facing him a few years ago. Okay. All right. What's your favorite road stadium to pitch in? Uh, St. Louis. Yeah. Love the mound there. Love the fans. It's a cool place S- to play. Super nice locker room. Great pregame bullpen. Solid. Awesome. Okay, so, all right. Your parents are Canadian. You got the whole dual citizenship thing going. Can you, do, you, do you think you can sing, like, the first three lines of the song for me? The Canadian anthem? Oh man, this is embarrassing. Don't put this, but 
All I know is the O Canada part. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're not a real Canadian then. Okay, that's fair. That's all I know too. I was born in Florida, moved to Texas when I was three. Um, still have a lot of family in Canada though. So, so proud to have that background. So oh, Canada, we- our home and native land. True patriot love and all of us command. Come on, you're reading. That. You're reading that. No, that's on, that's on top of my head. Sure, it is, Danny. Okay, but we didn't even talk about your high school, the Woodlands, home of uh, Paul Goldsmith, Cal Drabeck, Brett Eibner. You guys just spit yeah. out baseball players down there. Yeah, there is. So I missed that. 06 team was stacked. Um, I came in right after them. I was in eighth grade when Paul was a senior. I played with his little brothers. Um, you know, I got drafted in 10, Brian Brickhouse got drafted in 11 by the Royals really high. I mean, like my senior year and you know, it's crazy because I never went deep into the Texas state playoffs. We always lost, but our team, like the worst player you'd find on our starting nine in high school was going to like Weatherford or Cisco junior college, like really solid junior colleges. So we were stacked. It was a lot of fun. But, and I, I was telling Danny about this. Cal Drabeck was the best high school baseball player I ever saw and played again. Insane. He would play yeah. shortstop and hit like three homers in a game, or like 10 R- yeah. RBIs. And then he'd come in and throw like 96 off the bump in high school. Is like, I, I think that high school team might have been better when he played shortstop. Like he was dude, so he was good at shortstop. So good. Yeah, he was nasty. I mean, I saw him just toy around with hitters in high school. My dad would take me to every one of his games to watch. Um, and I mean, he was throwing like knuckleballs out there, just goofing around, punching guys out. He was knuckleball. And then here's like 95 with sync. Who, who was the yeah. best high school player you played against? Do you remember? Uh, I'm trying to think. You know who was nasty? Uh, it was Matt Perk. Do you remember him? Matt Perk. The lefty. He went to ECU. Yeah, yeah. I played with him in the fall league. He was one of the most impressive arms I've ever seen. I, I didn't hit in high school, but like just watching from afar, yeah. he was absolutely. His delivery was I, different, man. The ball came out weird. Yeah, he was he was really yeah. good. Yeah, he was with the Nationals, right? I think. Yeah, Nationals, maybe White Sox, they big TCU guy. Awesome, man. Yeah, this he was, was like ninety-five was, from the left side. This was a lot of fun, man. We appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is fun. Yeah. I've been having a joy watching your story, man. I'm really excited to see what you guys have. I'm excited for you to really be yeah. a part of a, a winning team and hopefully you guys yeah. have a lot of success here this year. Yeah. Best of luck to you, Jameson. Thank you. Jameson Tyone is going to be at the forefront of it all this year with the New York Yankees. And I have concerns, not just with Tyone, but the, the rest of the rotation because you have Garrett Cole, who's arguably the best pitcher in the game. After that, you have Corey Kluber, who's coming off injury. Jameson Tyone's going off injury. Jordan Montgomery had Tommy John a couple of years ago. Debbie Garcia could possibly be in the rotation. He has six career starts. Luis Severino, we talked about already, coming off injury. That's the Yankees in a nutshell. It seems like there's always somebody coming off injury, and we always talk about their potential. They could be the best team in baseball, but they're just not out there on the field. So, yeah. No, you're spot on. I think the past two years, that's been the story for them is – being hurt. I mean, they had their their offensive studs missed a ton of time um, two years ago, and then and then last year they had all the pitching injuries. So, um, was that because of the sixty game season? Their ramp up, slow down, ramp up. Um, probably that's tough on an arm. You know better than me. You were a pitcher. Um, they have a lot of good options though. They have like seven solid options for their for their uh, rotation, and we've talked about this before. Their offense is so good if they're healthy and on the field, uh, but they have a lot of depth. 
I think they're going to score runs. And then we have a really good bullpen who, uh, for the most part, has been pretty healthy. I mean, they're down out of Vino, but they still are they're solid. Um, so I think that takes some pressure off of these starters, and they don't have to go out and throw seven shutty. They, they can just have a quality start, even if it's five innings. You can probably bridge six, seven inning, and then you get the Chapman with a lead. I mean, he's still pretty good. So <laughs> I think they're going to be fine. I, I think Severino, his health is going to make or break this rotation, in my opinion. Call me crazy, but that, no, that's I think he could be their number two. He has the stuff to be their number two. So I think his health is going to be key um, to backing up Cole in that rotation. I just don't like how Cashman constructed it. When you have so many question marks with your lineup, because Aaron Judge has been hurt. Giancarlo Stanton has been hurt. Gary Sanchez is not even close. Picks, yeah. Picks. They get injured a lot. And then now you're constructing your starting rotation with injury-prone players. I don't know. It's tough. And, and again, I love Tyone. He's one of my favorite pitchers in baseball. Yeah. But it's not just Tyone. It's everyone within that rotation they're, they have injury uh, history, so the ceiling is very high, but the 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 floor is very low. Yes, exactly. And I'm going to go out there and say it right now. I think Aaron Boone is absolutely on the hot seat. If they don't make the World Series this year, if they don't win the World Series, he's, he might be done. But if they don't make the World Series, I think he's seeing his final days in the Bronx. Ooh, okay, heard it here first, guys. I, uh, I I don't I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree. I don't even know what his contract looks like, but. It's New York, New York Yankees. The money they're spending, gotta win. You got it. You got to. Period. And and uh, that's what sucks about it, though, is it's only so much is on the manager. Like it really comes down to like when he decides to change the pitcher. Like mm-hmm. that's the biggest decision he'll make. Like maybe put on a hit and run, which or a bunt, which we never see that anymore anyway, especially in the American League. And we might not see it in the National League anymore. Uh, to be with the DH uh, if we if we get it, but. This is on the players. <laughs> I'll talk about this all. Like he he'll have to wear it because it's easier to replace a manager than a player making thirty million dollars a year. So he'll have to wear it if they don't win. But ultimately, it's the players' fault. Come on. Who you got this weekend? Bucks or uh, Chiefs in the Super Bowl? I love Tom Brady, but I, I'm I'm going Chiefs. I think this is a passing of the torch uh, from Tom Brady, the 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 goat to to the baby goat. And uh, Patrick Mahomes. I think this is passing of the torch right here. And I think it's going to be a great game, though. There's so many weapons on the field for both teams. It's going to be really fun to watch. Chiefs over the Bucks, 35-27. 35-27. I'm going to go 38-31. So it's going to be a good game. Yeah, I think. I hope so. Give me on CBS, too. Which is good for the company. Good for the yep. brands. All right, guys. We will see you next week, next Wednesday, on the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. Will Middlebrooks, Danny Vietti. Adios, people. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. (laughs) Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.